Praise the Lord. Dr. Hanson, good evening to you. Good evening, Shannon. How are you all doing out there at World Ministries tonight? We're doing well. Dr. Hanson, always a pleasure to be with you. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm excited to be back with you on tonight. Everybody, welcome aboard. We're here simulcasting with Dr. Jonathan Hanson, World Ministries International. And Dr. Hanson, would you like to open us up in prayer? The mic is yours. Father God, we want to thank you, dear God, for this time we've had. We thank you, Lord. We just celebrated those in America, Thanksgiving. We have much to be grateful for. We still have our freedoms, dear God, even though it's coming under attack. But we have an opportunity to represent you in power and authority to do battle, to represent again Jesus Christ to save the nation. So Lord, let us understand the truths of what I'm going to talk about today on Hanukkah, how to fight a righteous fight and how to defeat tyranny. We'll give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome all of you that have tuned in. I'm with Shannon Davis, Omega Man Radio. We're going to talk today on Hanukkah, the eight days of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the festival of Hanukkah, also known as the festival of lights and feast of dedication, as well as feast of the Maccabees. Before we get into that, I want to just go into a little bit of the colors of Hanukkah, which are blue and white. Now, why are they blue and white? One explanation for blue and white being the colors associated with Hanukkah is the Israeli flag, designed by the Zionist movement in 1891, officially adopted in 1948. The flag's blue stripes symbolize those found in the traditional Jewish prayer shawls that are worn at synagogue, bar or bat mitzvahs, and Jewish weddings. According to the Bible, the Israelites were told to dye a thread on their tassels and a blue ink from a sea snail so that they may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. If you've seen these tassels that they wear, that is the explanation to remind them about all of the commandments of the Lord and they're supposed to do them. 1864, the Jewish poet Ludwig August Frankel named blue and white the colors of Judah. He called it in a poem, Judah's Colors. When sublime feelings his heart fill, he is mantled in the colors of his country. That's just an excerpt from the poem. So blue and white are the colors of Judah. White is the radiance of the priesthood and blue the splendors of the firmament. Also white suggests purity peace, and light. Blue is associated with a sky, faith, wisdom, and truth. We need to understand these truths. I know that this year my yard will be decorated in blue and white for the colors of Hanukkah. Blue also signifies the healing power of God. The 15th chapter of Numbers, verse 38 through 41, it denotes this biblical meaning of blue, fringe of the borders of a ribband of blue. The very fact that the sky is blue stands for the presence of Yahweh. God's chosen nation, Israel, is also denoted as blue from the time of David. Matthew 9, 21. The woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years says, I shall be whole again if I touch the hem of his garment. The garment hem is also blue. You know, I think that's fascinating. Sometimes you don't realize it when you read the scriptures. But the garment hem was blue. Again, the color of blue signifies the healing power of God. You know, some of these things really are interesting when you study it. Now, blue, Holy Spirit, authority, 
white, the bride of Christ, surrender, harvest, light, righteousness, conquest, and victory. So colors mean a lot. You get into, again, blue represents the heavens and the word of God. In Exodus, when Moses, his sons, and the 70 elders of Israel went up to Mount Sinai to worship God, they saw God and described the pavement under his feet as being bright as the blue sky. Exodus 24.10. So these things, I think, are very interesting when you study colors. White, holiness, light, purity, redemption, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Mark 16.5. Let's get into the eight days of Hanukkah. The world was created in seven days. Therefore, in Hebraic thinking, the number seven represents the perfection or completion of a cycle as well as the natural world that we experience with our physical senses. Psalm 36.9, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. The number eight, which follows, indicates a new beginning, also takes one beyond the limits of senses and signifies transcendent, unseen, physical realm. The realm we are aware of and can be emotionally moved and mentally stirred by, but one we cannot physically reach and touch. This realm of the spirit, the eternal, can only be seen with eyes of faith. See, we need eyes of faith in the days we live. So the festival of Hanukkah challenges us to see beyond the temporary reality of our circumstances and grasp the reality of the spirit, which will endure for eternity. Now, the eight days of Hanukkah are therefore special days, during which we are given opportunity to see the light, both physically and spiritually. We're encouraged to look both within and beyond ourselves, and to deepen our understanding of God's eternal kingdom. Each night, as we light a growing number of the little dancing lights, we see their combined light grow in radiance and beauty. They call us to unite the transcendent with the worldly, the holy with the mundane, the spiritual with the physical. Two themes vividly emerge the more one explores and experiences the festival. One illustrates the power inherent in diminutive flame. Banish a world of darkness and another reminds us that there is an indomitable flame in the spirit that enables people to reach far beyond their perceived natural limitations. We can go beyond our natural limitations with this flame of God inside of us, the Holy Spirit. The seven-branch menorah was lit by the high priest every morning and evening, first in a tabernacle, then in the house of God, the holy temple in Jerusalem. The perpetual burning flames reflected the light of the presence of God of Israel and of his word. Throughout history, great nations have sought to overcome and even extinguish this light, along with a covenant people of God. Hanukkah relives the story of such attempt and celebrates the victory of a small Jewish band of men who stood up for the Lord against impossible odds, but with his sovereign help overcame the enemy and restored the light to his house. Circa 175 B.C., the mighty Greco-Syrian army under the leadership of Antiochus IV was in control of Judea. By 168 B.C., the holy temple was desecrated. The worship of Israel's God was forbidden by law, and the values and lifestyle of Hellenism enforced on pain of death. In other words, you had to be a Roman, a Greek. If you practiced Judaism, your faith, they killed you. 
Where are we going in America and around the world today? Paganism. It's an outright assault on God right now. Outright assault on Christianity, on Jesus Christ, our values, our morality, our beliefs. Many Jews willingly embraced the Hellenistic way of life and assimilated as thoroughly as possible, which expedited their acceptance and ability to function successfully within a new system. In other words, many Jews compromised. Many Christians are compromising today. I've heard many take the COVID shot, even though they know it's dangerous, just for convenience sake. It helps you get along. What's going to be your excuse at the mark of the beast? It's the same thing, convenience. You can't buy or sell. If you can't stand up for COVID right now, you can't stand up for the mark of the beast. That's why I like this story of the Maccabees. He did not bow. He fought against insurmountable odds. And that's what we're called to do. There were many God-fearing Jews, however, who chose to remain faithful to the ways of the Hebrew scriptures, readily gave their lives rather than submit to the yoke of man-exalting Hellenism. One small family, an elderly priest, Cohen, the son of the high priest and his grown sons lived in a village of Modin, not far from Jerusalem. They stood firm in the face of tyranny, refused to bow down. More and more faithful Jews rallied around them until the tiny ragtag band, which was known as the Maccabees, Maccabees meaning hammers, challenged the might of the Greco-Syrian army. They used guerrilla tactics, and their intimate knowledge of the terrain was a great benefit. Their main strength, however, was the awareness of God's presence with them, the light of God within us. Although it's not the primary focus, the political historical reality we celebrate at Hanukkah is the fact that the Maccabees defeated their foe, an army vastly superior in might, numbers, training, and equipment. After 400 years of repression and persecution, the fact that the Judean state thus created was able to exist in relative independence for another 200 years. Give me 200 years, that's just fine. That's good enough for me. I'm in heaven a long time before 200 years are up. While confronting a hostile world on equal terms, that was a miracle itself. Again, the Maccabees defeated this tremendous world power because of their faith. Rabbinic literature, they ignore this great military triumph, and they emphasize instead on the miracle of the temple menorah. After their victory, one of the first things the Maccabees did, as they started to reclaim and restore their land from the enemy, was to cleanse and rededicate the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this is where we're going to get into called the Festival of Lights. The sign of dedication and the symbol of God's presence in his house was the lighting of the golden seven-branched menorah in the holy place. They had found only one flask uncontaminated oil fit for use in the lighting, enough for one day. It would take another week for the preparation according to biblical standards of more pure olive oil. So eager were they to restore the light to the temple that they decided in faith to use what they had. Now it would take eight days. They had oil for one day. This is the miracle. That's why if you're celebrating, which we do and which we did already before this program began, we ate Hanukkah food. It's all fried foods. Why? Because of the oil that never ran out. They had done all in their power to restore his light to the darkened temple. And now God takes over. What joy arose as the blessings were sung and one by one the seven lights were lit. And their radiance grew to bear shining witness to the presence of the creator of light in their midst. 
Now the Eternal, the source of all light, intervened, and the flames of the menorah kept burning day after day for the next seven days until the fresh store of oil was prepared. Okay? A normal menorah is seven candles. Now the special one is nine, which we're going to get into. The special one is the festival of Hanukkah, which inaugurated the nine-branched menorah. At Hanukkah, there's the nine-branched menorah. It's lit to commemorate light over darkness and the miracle of oil that kept burning for eight days. Okay, Hanukkah, tremendous victory, oil that burned for eight days when they had one day supply. I mean, these are the two primary focuses. Tremendous victory against a world power with a ragtag group of men with the power of God inside of them. And then the oil that lasted eight days instead of one. The nine-branch menorah lit to commemorate the victory over darkness and the miracle of oil that kept burning for eight days. The victory over darkness. You could say Hanukkah is a victory over darkness, but so is Purim and Esther saving Israel, which Purim stands for one of the extra candles and Hanukkah the other one, making nine the constant guarding and restoring of the eternal light through history prompted the physician, Ferdinand the Great, on his demand to provide him with proof of God's existence. To reply with, the proof that God exists is that the Jews exist. See, they should have never existed after 2,000 years. It's incredible that a people came back to their land. This doesn't happen. It is only the watchfulness of God of Israel over his people that have kept the flame of the menorah burning when all the forces of darkness in the world have tried to extinguish it. So the fuel for the menorah was the purest of olive oil, which was also used to anoint kings and priests. The prophet Zechariah's vision of the menorah flanked by two olive branches, which provided oil for the light of the seven lamps, is illustrated both by the Hanukkah and the emblem of the restored state of Israel. The two extra Levitical feasts of Purim, which occurs before Passover, the first set feast in Leviticus 23. So what were the seven feasts that we celebrated throughout the year? The Feast of Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles. That's the normal seven menorah. And what are the other two candles at Hanukkah? It's Hanukkah, celebration of the oil that never ran out, celebration of a mighty victory. It's Purim. Again, you get into Esther, saving the nation of Israel. So these are the nine candlesticks, what it represents. When Zechariah asked for the meaning of his vision, the angel of the Lord replied seven Hebrew words, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That's how the Maccabees won the tremendous battle. That's how Esther saved her people. So both Purim and Hanukkah tell of the threat of extinction of the Jewish people and God's miraculous intervention on their behalf. This should be of great encouragement, ladies and gentlemen, to you and I today. The world's coming under tyranny as we speak. America's coming under tyranny as we speak. But if God could give them victory at Purim, if God could give them victory at what we call a Feast of Hanukkah, God can give us victory today. It's the same mighty God, mighty power within us, the same Holy Spirit, the same light. We don't have to be discouraged. We can have victory if you believe and you can raise up enough people that believe. The Maccabees obviously had to raise up enough people to fight. 
That's what Eagle Saving Nations is all about. So God is diligently watching over his word to perform it. And if we as his covenant people, along with Israel, are to shine his light into the world, it must be with the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. He provides the oil for our lamps. Interesting. The nine branches of Hanukkah can be linked with the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22. I don't know if you've thought of that. I sure have. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, love, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice that the shamash is the middle, tall, servant candle. It's in the very center, aligns with love. See? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, love. Then goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God is a God of love. Jesus, the servant candle, love. If you are going to have victory, you're going to have to love your enemies. You're going to have to love them that persecute you. You're going to have to love them that reject you. You're going to have to love the unlovely. Also, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We just had the nine fruit. Let's look at the nine gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healing, workings of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Do you catch this? See the totality of the Bible from the beginning to the end? Hanukkah, the nine candles, and we got into the nine feasts of the Lord. And now we've got the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues. It takes all of this to defeat your enemies. It takes all of this to be used in this war we're at to preserve America and to preserve the nations. We can call to mind Paul's outstanding chapter on the importance of love, 1 Corinthians 1. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, if I have all faith to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.2 When we light the lights each night, we're reminded of the love that lights all the rest. So every night you light a candle and you use the middle candle, the love candle, the shamash, the servant candle, Jesus. Jesus lights all the other candles. He lights your candle, my candle. As we participate with the Holy Spirit in the love of Yahshua, the fruit of the holiness will grow in our lives and as a result, more of his light of truth and life will shine through us into the darkness of the world. The ways of this present polluted age lead to meaningless passivity and despair. People have all the money in the world, movie stars and others, but yet their life is empty. Because again, the ways of this present polluted age lead to meaningless passivity and despair. Depression, drugs, alcohol, sex and death, drug addiction, overdose. They produce a bentness and brokenness as opposed to standing upright in faith and walking confidently with the Lord in his ways. The assurance we have, just as the Maccabees of old, is that we are not alone. We do not rely on our own might, our own power, but we rely on the Spirit of God. We don't need to let stress because the burdens destroy us. The light of the world. As mentioned above, every Hanukkah, there is one candle that is distinguished from the others. Now here, tonight, 
I'm speaking in my chapel at World Ministries International, live audience, staff. Yet there is one candle that lights all of our lives. Why are we here? That's the love of God, the servant candle, Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we are here. Because of the shamash, again, the helper, the servant candle. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is our protector. It is lit first every night, and its flame is used to light the remaining candles. Every night, you take that servant candle and light another candle. The shamash is a beautiful representation of our Messiah and our Lord Yahshua, who divested himself of his heavenly glory and became a servant for all and of all. See, this is where you and I need to be servants. You say, how many times do I have to put up with this guy? 70 times 7. How many times have you done it? Oh, three or four. Get over it, man. You got a long ways to go. What does that mean? That means you're supposed to exercise unconditional love. You're supposed to exercise love forever. You say the person's a jerk. Yeah, because they don't have Jesus, they're a jerk. And they're going to remain a jerk unless the love of Jesus reaches them. They're going to remain a drug addict. They're going to remain an alcoholic. They're going to remain wherever they are unless the love of Jesus reaches them. Can you reach them with the love of Jesus? Do you have enough light in you? Do you have enough of the Holy Spirit in you? Do you have enough of the love of Jesus in you? If you have too much of yourself, you can't reach them. You give up. You don't want to try anymore. Again, the shamas, a beautiful representation of our Messiah and our Lord. Quietly yet, with the radiance of a single candle flame, he became the promise, anointed bearer of light. Through him, the word of life and truth would spread to illuminate the world. Now, I hope you all who are listening out there have a menorah. In my house, we have a normal menorah, seven candles. We have a Hanukkah menorah that includes Purim and Hanukkah. Traditionally, the Hanukkah is placed in a window, or sometimes, as in the old city of Jerusalem, outside the door, to show the light is not to be enjoyed by us alone, but can shine like a beacon outwards to others. I know we have one that stays in our window. Again, we're supposed to take our light. You know, there's a song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, we need to let our life shine more than just in our bedroom, more than just to our husband and wife, more than to our baby. We're supposed to even let it shine to our enemies. It shines like a beacon outwardly to others. America was supposed to be a beacon of light to save the nations and reach the nations of the world. Yet the devil's trying to destroy this beacon of light. The church must rise up and protect this beacon of light so America can continue to save the world, to send out people, to preach the gospel. By the spirit of the one true living God imparted to us in Yahshua, we can be transformed and reflect the image of God in which we were created. As we become more and more like him, his glory will shine all the more into the world, bringing hope in the darkness, holiness to the mundane, and the eternal to the passing and temporary. Again, his glory will shine in the world, bringing hope in the darkness. Just light up a candle in pitch dark room and boom, holiness to the mundane and the eternal to the passing and temporary. You know, it's a daunting responsibility to be the bearers of his glory, if you think about it. His light. But it's a challenge the people of God must willingly and gratefully accept. Light will always dispel darkness. As Clay McLean sings in his album, Against the Night, when every holy symbol is fading out of sight, 
the children of the morning must stand against the night. Leanne Payne, founder of Pastoral Care Ministries, expresses this concept, I think, beautifully. There is the absolute, ultimate truth and reality. To know and be in fellowship with God is not only to know the real, but it is to gain the capacity to bring our lives into the alignment with it. Our lives then take on the characteristics of that which is true, noble, and just, and we become lights. We are supposed to become part of what is absolute, what is real, what is truth. We're supposed to be in fellowship intimately with God and become, so to speak, God. God in us, reflecting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, reflecting the gifts of the Holy Spirit, respecting love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, meekness, self-control, patience. Becoming again the nine power gifts that I read earlier. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues. We're supposed to become these things. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, love, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we become these things, light is in the world. We're not supposed to be satisfied. Oh, I've obtained one or two. Continue to pursue till you obtain all. All of the fruit of the Holy Spirit we should possess. The power gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God wants us to operate in. Most people are too lazy to pursue it and receive it. They just settle for something far less. When every holy symbol is fading out of sight, the children of the morning must stand against the night. What a powerful statement. So this season of Hanukkah, the celebration of the birth of Yahshua, the light of the world, prompts us to make the conscious decision to turn aside and see the glory of God. Recorded in the book of Exodus, Moses saw the flames of a bush on fire. He said to himself, I will turn aside and I will see this incredible sight. Why is this bush burning and not being consumed? See, when we operate with the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's like a burning bush. People have got to watch and say, wow, that person is different. When you move actually with the nine power gifts, wow, how can that happen? Because God is in that person. That's how it happens. As recorded in Exodus, Moses saw the flames of the bush on fire. He said to himself, I will turn aside. I will see this incredible sight. And when he did, he had an encounter with the living God. When people look at your life closely, if you really operate in the fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit, they can have an encounter with God. He was called, appointed, and anointed to be God's representative on earth, Moses, and so are you. Let us trust that we will be enabled to discern God's presence and to see his glory in all things, even in the most mundane of places. And in communion with him, may we allow his glory to shine in our lives. Matthew 5, 14, 16, it says, You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. My telephone number is 360-629-5248. Telephone 360-629-5248. We even accept credit cards. And you can help us to continue to sound the alarm. You can write to me if you want to write a check. Write it to WMI, PO Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. And my website www.worldministries.org I'll see you tomorrow.